old Sunday morning. We were out of our bed. We took our bath. Mama combed our heads. Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 11 of The Almost Christian Discover by Matthew Mead. Objection. But is not that man who is changed a true Christian? Answer. Not every change makes a man a Christian. Indeed, there is a change that makes whoever is under it a true Christian. When a man's heart is so changed that it is renewed, when old things are done away and all has become new, when the new creature is wrought in the soul, when a man is turned from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, when the mind is enlightened, the will renewed, the affections made heavenly, then a man is a Christian, indeed. But now you must know that every change is not this change, for there is a civil change, a moral change, as well as a spiritual and supernatural change. Many men are changed in a moral sense And one may say they have become new men, but they are, in heart and nature, the same men still. They are not changed in a spiritual and supernatural sense, and therefore it cannot be said of them that they have become new creatures. Restraining grace may cause a moral change, but it is renewing grace that must cause a saving change. Now many are under restraining grace and changed morally who are not under the power of saving grace and changed savingly. There is an outward change as well as an inward change. The outward change is often without the inward, though the inward change is never without the outward. A man's heart cannot be sanctified without it influencing the life. But a man's life may be reformed, and yet it never affects or influences the heart. A man may be converted from a course of profaneness, to a form of godliness, from a filthy conversation to a fair profession. And yet, the heart is the same in one and the other. A rotten post may be guilt without, and yet unsound within. It is common to have the outside of the cup and platter made clean, and yet the inside foul and filthy. Now then, if a man may be changed morally and yet not spiritually, outwardly and yet not inwardly, from a course of profaneness to a lifeless form of godliness, then a man 
may be under great and visible changes and yet be no more than almost a Christian. I do not speak this to discountenance any change short of that which is spiritual, but to awaken you to seek after that change which is more than moral. It is good to be outwardly renewed, but it is better to be inwardly renewed. I know how natural it is for men to take up anything like a work of conversion, though it is not conversion, and resting in that, they eternally perish. Beloved, let me tell you, there is no change, no conversion, that can stead your souls in the day of judgment, this side of that saving work which is wrought on the soul by the Spirit of God, renewing you throughout. The sober man, without this change, shall as surely go to hell as the foolish drunkard. Morality and civility may commend us to men, but not to God. They are of no value in the procurement of an eternal salvation. A man may go far in an outward change and yet not be one step nearer heaven than he who was never under any change. Nay, he may be, in some sense, further off. Christ said the scribes and Pharisees were further from heaven with all their show of godliness than publicans and harlots in all their sin and uncleanness. Resting in a false work, a partial change, we neglect to seek after a true and saving change. There is nothing more common than to mistake our state and, by overweening thoughts, misjudge our condition and so perish in our own delusions. The world is full of those foolish builders who lay the foundation of their hopes of eternal salvation upon the sand. Now, my brethren, would you not mistake the way to heaven and perish in a delusion? Would you not be found fools at last? For none are such fools as the spiritual fool who is a fool in the great business of salvation. Would you not be fools for your souls and for eternity? Oh, then labor after and pray for a thorough work of conversion. Beg God that he would make a saving change in your souls, that you may be altogether Christians. All other changes below this saving change, this heart change, make us but almost Christians. Section 11. A man may be very zealous in the matters of religion and yet be but almost a Christian. Jehu not only served God, 
and did what he commanded, but was very zealous in his service. Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord of hosts. And yet in all this, Jehu was a hypocrite. Joash was a great reformer in Jehoiada's time. It is said, he did all which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. But when Jehoiada died, Joash's zeal for God died with him, and he became a wretch. Objection. But the apostle makes zeal to be a note of sound Christianity. It is good to be zealously affected in good things. Nay, it seems to be the non-such qualification for obtaining eternal life. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Answer. It is true, there is a zeal which is good and renders the soul highly acceptable to God, a zeal that never misses heaven and salvation. Now this is a zeal which is a celestial fire, the true temper and heat of all the affections to God and Christ. It is a zeal wrought and kindled in the soul by the Spirit of God who first works it and then sets it to work. It is a zeal that has the Word of God for its guide, directing it in working, both in regard of its object and end, manner and measure. It is a zeal that checks sin and forwards the heavenly life. It is a zeal that makes the glory of God its chief end, which swallows up all by-ends. The zeal of thy house hath eaten me up. But now all zeal is not this kind of zeal. There is a false zeal as well as a true. Every grace has its counterfeit. As there is fire, which is truly heavenly fire on the altar, so there is strange fire. Nadab and Abihu offered strange fire upon God's altar. Eight kinds of counterfeit zeal. There are several kinds of zeal, none of which are true and sound, but false and counterfeit. I shall instance in eight particulars. Number one, there is a blind zeal, a zeal without knowledge. They have a zeal, said the apostle, but not according to knowledge. Now, as knowledge without zeal is fruitless, so zeal without knowledge is dangerous. It is like wildfire in the hand of a fool, or like the devil in the man possessed who threw himself sometimes into the fire, sometimes into the water. 
The eye is the light of the body, and the understanding is the light of the soul. Now, as the body without the light of the eye cannot go without stumbling, so the soul without the light of the mind cannot act without erring. Zeal without knowledge is like a dim light in a dark night that leads a traveler out of his way into the bogs and mire. This was the zeal of Paul while he was a Pharisee. I was zealous towards God as ye are all this day, and I persecuted this way unto the death. And again, I verily thought with myself, I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Such a zeal was that in John. They shall put you out of the synagogue, silence you. You shall not be suffered to preach. Yea, the time comes that whoever kills you will think that he doth God service. This is great zeal, but yet it is a blind zeal, and that God abhors. This concludes episode 11 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.